Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, a podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. Except we're not doing any of that today. <laughs> get get out get out of here. Just get rid of it. Today is the day of days where we do our Q and A for the first time. Yes. We, first off, a quick apology that our live episode did not come out last week. We had a bevy of issues, and we decided that we would rather put out something that was good instead of something that was iffy. Yeah. Um, we're going to try again next year, figure mm-hmm. out ways to fix the issues we came across. It was a good, soft pilot. Yeah. But next year, we'll reboot live life. Life itself. <laughs> It's Revenge of the Reboot. Indeed. So, today is our Q&A, as Lindsay said, and I'm desperately trying to find the questions. Here we go. We asked some of our friends on Twitter to send us some questions. We got a few good ones. Um, and also, throughout today, we're going to be going through each of our top ten episodes yeah. that we have done so far. The ones that we feel you should listen to if you don't want to listen to a whole year's worth. Yeah. To give you a bit of a taste of what we do, what we're all about. So we'll start off with our friend Cassidy at Mad Lobotanist. Her current handle is Cassidy Eblis Trigger because of Sonic the Hedgehog. Okay. <laughs> uh, her first question is, what is one real life reboot that you wish they would take another stab at? Uh, hmm. Tanner, you go first on this. Um, I, this is one that we kind of already have done because mine is The Mummy. Okay, yeah. I I do think that the core of The Mummy is good and you can make something good out of it and you can even make a dark universe out of that. They just went about it all wrong when they Tom Cruised it. Ugh, I... I don't know what they were thinking with that one. They were thinking, we're going to be the Avengers, but spooky! Wasn't you... They thought that they were going to be Snyderverse Justice League, but spooky! Ugh, fuck me. <laughs> How about you? What's a reboot of a reboot that you want to reboot again? Would it be cheating if I would also take a stab at the Dark Universe and say Dracula? Nah, that'd be a good one. Yeah. I don't think there's been a like a good Dracula movie in a while. Yeah, I think the last one was probably, well, close to good was Francis Ford, Ford Coppola's version, the Bram Stoker's Dracula. And that was 90s or 80s? 90s. That had Keanu Reeves, didn't it? Yeah, Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder. Right. As Jonathan Amina. And they may have gotten married. <laughs> they may have gone married. <laughs> Oh, oh gosh. So, <laughs> so I've already thought of how we do it. We have Keanu Reeves as Dracula. <laughs> and we have Winona Ryder as Von Helsing. Oh my god. No, we keep Winona as uh, Mina, just like an older Mina. Oh, oh, nice. I could dig that too. Yeah, because she and Jonathan had a kid. Remember? R- no, I don't. <laughs> okay, at the end they have a kid and we can... Well, he's named Quincy after the spoilers. One dude who bites it at the end, but like we can right. make some changes. 
I've never read Dracula all the way through. I've only like picked up bits and pieces through like hearing yeah. retellings and like summaries and stuff. I know that there's like an entire reverse harem of men trying to fight Dracula out of revenge over the one girl who bites it. Yeah, poor Lucy. Poor uh, Lucy. Yeah, and Wait, was Quincy the Texas oil magnet? Yes. <laughs> My three suitors, uh Christopher, Gregory, and Doug Dimadone, owner of the Dimsdale Dimadome. <laughs> But yeah, like, uh, um, I think you suggested, like, how Dracula just structurally could work as a good uh, found footage series. Well, yeah, because the books themselves are, what is it, epistolary is the term? Yeah, epistolary. So it's basic, uh, epistolary books are, like, books that are made out of, like, diaries and uh, letters and all that. Yeah, and news and... clippings and whatnot. There's almost no straight prose unless it's, like, at the beginning. And even the beginning is usually framed as, I found these letters in a chest in my grandfather's attic. And I included a foreword he wrote about them before the actual contents themselves. <laughs> yeah, so you could easily translate that if you wanted to do a modern day Dracula into a found footage movie. Yeah. Man, if there's one thing that authors from that era love, it's their framing devices. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have some hook. It's like how back in the the day, music artists needed a hook to get people onto their song. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Frankenstein is four nested framing devices. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So that Dracula thing actually might segue into Cassidy's second question. What's a reboot that you're surprised hasn't happened yet? Hmm. Maybe the John Waters movies. I'm not familiar. You know, Breakfast Club. Oh, and... right. I completely forgot his name. Yeah. I thought the it was Brat Pat. <laughs> the Brat Pat movies. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm surprised. So Breakfast Club was another, that was our second episode. Yes. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I said this too, in that one too, but I am surprised that no one's taken a stab at remaking The Breakfast Club. Yeah. Or Pretty in Pink or Sixteen Candles or any of those movies. I feel like the other ones... Like, if they made a Breakfast Club, the other ones would follow. But I feel yeah. like you kind you need to either do Breakfast Club or, for some reason, St. Elmo's Fire is kind of in that same genre. If you do one of those two, that would be the one that opens the floodgates. Yeah. Hmm. What's something I'm surprised by? I'm trying to think of, like, kid stuff. Because this seems to be the era where everything gets rebooted for the Netflix. Yeah. Because mm, Reboot they did. She-Ra they did. He-Man they're doing. Hmm. There's always a new Transformers, so... Is there a Transformers on right now? Maybe not, but there was a fairly recent one. There was, yeah. With a surprisingly all-star cast. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. Scoobies are always getting rebooted. Um, oh, the Jetsons! Oh! I'm surprised that no one's... I mean, sometimes you hear stuff about someone making a new Flintstones or Jetsons, but, like, there's almost no follow-through, and I'm surprised no one's been able to even... The most I hear is occasionally a director or production company is like, oh yeah, we now have the rights to make a Jetsons movie. And then you hear (laughs) nothing after that. Not even it's happening, just, well, it might happen. Yeah, that's a bit weird. But maybe some people find it a bit too tough because it, 
don't know, there's something about a family sitcom from like the 60s that might not translate as well to a modern audience, but at the same time, it's not like we're not familiar with the Jetsons anymore. Yeah. See, the Jetsons would, I think, would be really interesting because it's, you have this wholesome 50s, 60s vibe to it, the, the allegedly wholesome 50s vibe. Um, but it's also set in the far future. So you get this weird paradoxical thing that I, I think people would enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I think people would like the contrast of an I love Lucy type of aesthetic or type of atmosphere pasted on top of a sci-fi aesthetic. Yeah. Mid-century modern, but like it's the far future that the 1950s thought it would be like. Exactly. Give us more Xerust. (laughs) Yeah. It's a really cool aesthetic, at the very least. Um, Alright, so, those were Cassidy's questions, so now let's jump into some top tens. Lindsay, what is your tenth, what do you think is our number ten best episode? Number ten, it's a bit selfish for me. Okay. Because it was more me giving a history lesson, but I'm gonna say Red River. Really? Yeah. Um, because... Yeah, I got to show off my knowledge of the Bronze Age, even though the adaptation was simply, just give this a fucking anime. (laughs) No, I really like that episode, too. The reason I'm surprised is because it's actually low. I've got that one higher up in my list. Okay, well, I also wanted to spread spread equally amongst both of us. I didn't want to be completely selfish. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did that, too. I was was terrified that I'd make a list. I'm like, oh, no, these are all mine. But no, I actually, I think I had more of yours when I was picking just my favorites in general. Oh, geez. (laughs) But yeah, I do have, like, a lot that are yours. (laughs) Um, My number 10 is also one of my own. Uh, It's number 20, Small Soldiers. Uh... Hang on, let me pull my up the episode list. So yours was number 31, Lindsay Clyde's The Hittite Line of Succession. Yeah. <laughs> and mine was number 20, Tanner Ecker enters a whole new decade of radical. Uh, the reason I really like Small Soldiers is because I was very passionate about it, and I feel like that came through. And also by the end, I was like, hey, I'm going to go pitch this to IDW. Now I haven't yet. But that's still something I'd like to do. Yeah. I, I really think I should write a script treatment and send it to them like, hey, do you want to make this a comic? By the way, you've never heard of me, and I have no idea if you even have the rights to them. But. If you do, here's an idea. Yeah, that one was fun. How about your n- number nine episode? My number nine is The Breakfast Club. Huh. Going back to to rebooting all the all the Brad Pat movies. Um, it's our second episode. Um, I think we really... That was where we really started to, like, gel and really figure out how we do these episodes. And I think it was around there that we started trying to make Bicons of the Week a thing. Yeah. It was definitely the first one where we were like, hey, see these straights? They're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many pairings you can do, including thruples. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was number two. Tanner takes the breakfast club to Denny's. My number nine episode is episode 44, Lindsay's 48-hour spy camp much, which was the Totally Spies <laughs> reboot. <laughs> Just because that one got weird. I feel like that yeah. one was your Mighty Ducks. 
Yes. Because I was just thinking, like, a live-action remake or just a new cartoon. But no, comic book. And just swan diving into the craziness that is this entire series because I realized there was a whole bunch of stuff that they brought up that they never talked about again. It was a show that you couldn't go off the rails because there were no rails. We never had rails. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, so let's go on to some more questions. Uh, these next few are from Charlie at Magical Pride. Uh, so your first question is, what's one thing that you don't think needs a reboot ever? I want to start this one. Okay. Because it has a few caveats. Uh, okay. I don't think we need any more Jurassic Parks. Cool. I'm down. And I, well, not, I guess not a caveat, but my addendum is that I include Jurassic World in that. I think Jurassic World is a great way to cap off the Jurassic Park franchise. Yeah. Because the first one was a technological special effects marvel. Yeah. You'll, I've never seen a movie that has effects that age as well as it does. Yeah, that, it, that was amazing. You could show it to a person who had never seen it before and say, this came out this year, and they'd be like, yeah, I buy that. Mm-hmm. It's groundbreaking. Um, number two, it has its issues, but it continues the story and it like makes sense building on top of it. Jurassic Park 3 is fine. Okay. It, at the very least, it makes sense within the world that they create. And then Jurassic World is this great discussion, very scheduled discussion on reboot culture and the idea of not re making reboots of stuff because you're really passionate about them, but making reboots because you want to make money off of them. And how that kind of just consumes everything. And even if you have something great, if you just keep going, you break it and you destroy it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it doesn't just say, well, the original was better, so there. It says the original can be better, and here is why. Yeah. And also remember that Jeff Goldblum's character's maxim. Just because you thought you could doesn't mean you should. Yes. And also, life uh, finds a way. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum is an immortal treasure. Yes, exactly. Maybe he should play Dracula next. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I never saw Fallen Kingdom, by the way. Yeah, um, I've only... Because I didn't think we needed it. Yeah. It don't... The thing about Fallen Kingdom, just by looking at the trailers, it kind of came off as a bit mean-spirited. Anyway, um, I was discussing this whole issue with Ryan recently about, like, what stuff you can't really reboot anymore. And I'm going to say the Bourne series with also the whole don't add sequels to it. Okay. Yeah. The first three movies were a perfect character arc for uh, Matt Damon's character, Jason Bourne. And then there was that weird Jeremy Renner one, and then they tried to add another sequel with uh, Matt Damon and it just didn't work. And in this case, I feel like, and a lot of people feel like this, that the original Bourne trilogy are, they really fit the time when they came out. Yeah. And the story, like the books that they're based off were, they had to go through a lot of rewrites um, it's almost an adaptation in name only because those books were very much of like the cold, the late cold war. Yeah. 
and like they totally got rid of a character um, because he was based off of a real guy who was no longer really relevant and the movie going audience would have been very small children when he was active and might not have ever heard of him. So yeah, that's why they got rid of him and the the sensibilities in the espionage genre I think have shifted differently. Yeah. And Hollywood needs to catch up a bit. I think because Jason Bourne is like the stale beer spy. Yeah. And I feel like that, like you said, is very much a product of its times. And, and then now... influenced James Bond. Like the Yeah. The current Daniel Craig movies would not exist without Jason Bourne. Exactly. But like even with James Bond, they're still they're like a dirty martini at this point. Yeah. A martini with a bit too much vodka in it. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but like they still feel for the most part like James Bond movies. Yeah. And then with the Jason Bournes, see, if the Bourne legacy worked like it was a success, then I yeah. think that's the best way they could have continued to make them, where it's just other kind of like Bourne type agents set in the same world. Yeah. But I think after it was kind of a failure, they should have just cut their losses. Yeah. Um, now we've got stuff where I feel like stale beer has kind of played itself out. It almost unmade itself. Yeah, because I think it it's one of those, it went from stale to skunky. <laughs> um, a bit too, I think, you know, stuff like 24 and like the really hardcore stuff. Um, also because of Pentagon money, like... It, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth when you really exactly. think about it. Like, I'm all for stale beer espionage. Like, I really like John Le Carre, but I think with Le Carre, he brings a lot more nuance and humanity to his characters. And I think that's what's been missing for the past while is a sense of humanity. Yeah. I think the closest, franchise-wise, the closest thing we have to the Bourne series would be the Mission Impossibles, just because... Even though they're, like, all high-tech, high-stunts, high-action, like, they have a similar vibe to James Bond, they really don't. Like, I would more closely compare them to a Bourne because yeah. of their tone. Yeah. They're like, they're like a fresh beer. Yes. Not <laughs> a craft like a, beer. They're like a Corona. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And I feel, I feel like we've got craft beer spy flicks coming out now, where they're, yeah. like... They have a similar tone to the Bournes, but they're independent stuff, and everyone's making their own thing. They don't yeah. have to be franchises anymore. Yeah. Uh, thank you, prolific spy writers. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, how do, what, what kind of spy movie would a Shirley Temple be? Totally Spies? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, one of those, like, Totally Spies actually would be, like, one of those, like, mega sweet um starbucks frappuccinos but with like a shot of coffee liqueur yeah <laughs> um and then the charlie's angels franchise is like um i would i would say the tv show was like a mimosa yeah actually the first two movies were probably mimosa as well this next one is is a little bit grittier what's something that's like it's still a quote-unquote girly drink but it's mm. got a bit of an edge to it Something that would involve whiskey, I think. A whiskey sour? Yeah, a whiskey sour. Nice. Yeah. I don't drink alcohol, so <laughs> a lot of what we just said is completely meaningless to me. <laughs> but if you're a borderline alcoholic like me, you'll totally get this. Oh, no. No, I'm not that bad. Okay, good. <laughs> I only buy 
one bottle of wine a week. Um, God, yeah, and trying to find out what kind of wine you like that's not just a, a boxed wine was like pulling teeth. <laughs> well, it's because I'm a fucking wine slut. <laughs> <laughs> I should I should get you like a beer hat, but for wine bottles. <laughs> you can take it to Rider Games and like, mm, yes, this Zinfandel pairs very well with this shitty stadium hot dog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Charlie gave us a second question, which was a little bit deeper. If you could hit reboot on your life, would you? Oh. If you could change your fate, would ya? <laughs> so here's the thing. I'm transitioning into a part of life where I am feeling fairly comfortable. I've actually got the job I've kind of always wanted for a long time. Go me. Go you! Fuck yeah! But, like, the 20 or so odd years to get to this point are where I'm like, Oof. So. I, I feel like you and me are kind of in a similar kind of vibe where we're, we like where we are now. I mean, I'm still trying to get to the point where you are, where I have a job with my degree. <laughs> but if, if we could have had a better time getting to where we are now, that would have been nice. Yeah. So I guess in the reboot sense, it would be more like when Marvel or DC decides to reboot the continuity. <laughs> we ultimately end up in the same place, but maybe in a more timely and less painful fashion. Yeah. I... It would have been nice, actually. Actually, hang on, let me think. No, actually, I did come out pretty early in school, so that's not a factor, but I guess it would have been nice if I could have introduced some more love interests into my storyline. Yeah. Mainly, I feel like I missed out on the high school experience, and this is probably just kind of a, a broader queer thing, where, like, you don't have the options to have those whirlwind teenage romances that straight people do, because <laughs> you don't have the options. Yeah, um, I think my biggest thing, especially young me, it was, I was such a shut-in for so long. That on the one hand, I didn't get into trouble like other kids, but on the other hand, I didn't really do anything. Yeah. I will say, this may sound weird, but I'm I'm happy that I didn't realize I was a gender until after high school, because that would have been a pain to go through. Yeah. University, that would have been a good, decent time for the realization, because then it'd probably be easier for me to access, like, support networks and whatnot, because we did have a pride center. Yeah. But high school, oh boy, I'm I'm glad I didn't have that realization back then. I would have, I don't know. Yeah. Um, my my whole sexuality thing, it's like the hints were there when I had a crush on Natalie Dormer while <laughs> the Tudors was airing. I guess it was just a matter of picking up on the hint that didn't happen until about university and. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like bisexual women, it's easier for them to deny they're bisexual because society at large is pretty chill about women just thinking other women are hot. Yeah, um, with the asterisks of, for cis men, it's like, as long as it serves 
you know, the male gaze. Well, obviously, yeah, that asterisk is there, but I feel like yeah. even there's... As long as it's not threatening. Because yeah, when it, exactly. When it gets, like, I don't want to use the term aggressive, but, like, when it's a bit more real, you know, not the fantasy bisexual. Yeah. <laughs> there's the Manic Pixie Dream Girl bisexual, and then there's actually us. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like that's that's something that a lot of women internalize, that, well, yeah, I'm attracted to women, but all women are attracted to women a little bit, yeah. so am I really bisexual? Yeah. It was the whole, oh, yeah, you, it's totally okay for me to admire a woman's body, when it's like, no, actually, I am very attracted to this person, and, uh, well, okay. <laughs> the thing about being bisexual and pansexual, it seems to me, from pure observation, because... I've been a sexual shut-in for the past... You know what? I'm not going to put a date on that. I'm not going to put a number to that. The thing that I've noticed is that, basically, anybody who is attracted to multiple genders is a fucking normal person. Almost to the point of being boring. But... <laughs> the hets have a tendency of thinking that we are basically fuck toys. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's a reason why I don't go on to Tinder anymore, because if I state that I'm bisexual, then it's supposed to say, hey, do you want to be part of a threesome? Valid. Yeah. So anyways, what's your number eight episode? My number eight. Um, I'm actually going to switch numbers very last minute. What? Yep. And I am going to do something weird. So I'm going to say that my number eight is Once Upon a Time. Oh, wow. And I say that because I went back and re-listened to it. Um, yes, it's our starter. Yes, I totally get. This is us trying a brand new thing out. I am also a fucking perfectionist in my own way. Oh, really? I couldn't tell. And I have no idea how to relate to that myself. <laughs> <laughs> But it was also, my, my whole thing with Once Upon a Time, and we are going to be revisiting Once Upon a Time next week. Um, yeah. It's a place born of frustration. <laughs> and that sort of energy, it's, it gets hard to handle. It's a passion, just like anything else. Yeah. I think my whole thing, it's like, it, it, I... I try not to bash the material too much when they do shit wrong or they miss an opportunity because they took the wrong lessons from J.J. Abrams when yeah. they were working on Lost. Yeah. Oh, fuck. But, uh, yeah, it's that whole, I might have been too hard on the second season because they didn't know, they didn't plan for a second season. They didn't, think that they were going to get a second season. And you can tell. Yeah. And I'm coming at this with the hindsight. Yeah, I... Like, Once Upon a Time was responsible for this podcast existing. Yeah. Because originally it was... The concept was, we're going to fix things. Yeah. And that still is kind of part of it, but I, I feel like we've evolved beyond saying that something is explicitly broken. Yeah. It, it's rather arrogant of us to say, oh, we can totally do this better. Yeah. 
Oh gosh, I think that was like the working title. Of yeah. This. We can do it better. So. Yeah. And this is historian Lindsay coming out on me, but like one of the biggest lessons that you learn when you are uh, being trained in history is that you must realize that when a decision is being made in the past, those people are living in their present. Mm-hmm. They don't know how this is going to work out. Yeah. And that goes the same with anything creative. You don't know at the time how it's going to work out. You don't know how it's going to be received. You don't know how the reception is going to change over time. For sure. Like, you can have a couple different ways. Like, a work could be forgotten. A work could be seen as great at the time, but later generations think that it's very problematic or that it it actually wasn't that good. Or it could be like one of those hidden gems that was derided at the time, but nowadays it's like, oh, they were really onto something. Yeah. So context is key. Exactly. That was episode number one, Lindsay Gives Belle a Gun. Yeah. My number eight episode is episode number 33, Tanner and Lindsay Give a Baby a Lightsaber. <laughs> that was when we did the Star Wars prequels, or at the very least, no, actually, I think we mainly focused on Phantom Menace. Yeah, I think we're... We're going to go through the prequels and... I think that was an idea we had. Yeah. Not necessarily... We, I don't think we'll be able to sync them up with May the 4th unless you just only do them every six or so years. <laughs> it probably won't be May the 4th exactly, but we should try to hit like the week of May the 4th. Yeah, or something. I don't know. I haven't looked at the calendar, but maybe we can sync up with the release of episode nine. Okay, yeah. But yeah, I really like that one. I think of our team-up episodes, that's our best team-up episode. Yeah. Where we both had an idea of what we wanted to happen, and we were able to, like, intertwine those together. Yeah. it. We didn't get that much rage from the fanboys. Well, I think part of it is because we only have so many <laughs> listeners. Yeah, that's true. Even though I did put the uh, hashtag Star Wars in on the uh, Instagram thing. But I think, like, Instagram in general... As long as you stay away from, like, body stuff, tends to be fairly positive. Yeah. It's the Twitter that you gotta watch out. Yeah. Them boys are fucking vicious. Mm-hmm. What is our seventh best episode? Uh... I don't know. I might have miscounted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did misnumber this. I've only got Uh-oh. nine. Oh, no. <laughs> Do you have to quickly pull it out of your ass? Yep. (laughs) You know what? One of our first guest episodes, uh, episode 21, Jake goes on zombie house hunters. Nice. That was a really good one. Yeah. Jake has a powerful presence to him. (laughs) Yeah. Where we attempted to reboot Resident Evil as a TV show, even though we have no clue about a Resident Evil. (laughs) He was able to give some pretty good context for it. And I also liked how we determined that Raccoon City was secretly Toronto this entire time. Yes, as it should be. (laughs) Um, My number seven is also a guest episode. Okay. It's number three, the kids and their dog will make you like (laughs) Scrappy-Doo. Yes. Uh, And I really like that one because, well, first off, the scope, we had four people on at once. Yeah. Editing was fun, air quote, air quote. You did a good job. I Thank you. I really like that one because basically 
we were able to serve as a medium for Cassidy and Lava to basically, you could tell that they had already been planning this for a while and we had yes. given them the ability. Yes. And I'm so glad we could. I'm so glad we got to experience this and learn of all the other Hanna-Barbera who's its and what's its. Yeah. Got to learn a lot about Hanna-Barbera in preparation for that. Yeah. That was, that was just a very fun weekend. Yeah. With three straight hours of Scooby-Doo discussions. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So here's some more questions from our friend Christina at Seawoods Art. Oh, and the first question is, what's your favorite reboot you've done so far? Well, stay tuned, Christina. You're going <laughs> to find out. Her second question, do you have any dream slash celebrity guests and what would they reboot? Oh, mine was last, last minute and will probably never happen. Because he's a bit too big for us. But I'm going to go with Taika Waititi. Holy, yeah, you're swinging from the stars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because he's, okay, it, it's a bit like keeping him in a box when it comes to what he's directing. Because it's a superhero flick. But I think, I, I would really like to hear his take on what he would do if he got an opportunity to re reboot Watchmen. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Let's see. If I were asking him on, I would... I would ask, like, if obviously it would be up to him. Like, normally... Yeah. We pull guests in. Like, we've been talking about pulling specific people in just so that we have, uh, like, a, um, an expert on yeah. the subject of something we want to reboot, but have no idea how to do so. Yeah. So it would be definitely be Taika's option but yeah. i feel like he could do a really good green hornet movie or tv show Ooh, yeah and he'd probably do something from the more recent dynamite comics which i read a bit of um i didn't get into them mainly because i felt like i was coming in like chapter six of a very long story okay but dynamite has basically been continuing the story of the green lantern making it a whole legacy character the current uh green not green lantern green hornet <laughs> The, and the current Green Hornet, last I checked, was actually the daughter of the guy's driver. Ooh, neat. And she looks very good in that Green Hornet suit. Yes. It's a very dapper look. Yeah. My celebrity guests are a little, a little lower tier. <laughs> Co mainly because they're just internet personalities that okay. I admire. Yeah. I would love to have Serge from Cold Crash Pictures uh, be on here yeah. at one point or another. That's probably the most feasible on account of he has showed up on podcasts before. Mm -hmm. um, he was the person who I was kind of got the motivation to do an Animorphs episode about. So I, I feel like if I messaged him, I'd have to say, by the way, you can't reboot Animorphs. <laughs> <laughs> already done that. Because I already did Animorphs and I did it because I was inspired by you. Yeah. Uh, I feel like he would reboot possibly a horror franchise. I feel like Aliens. I feel like okay. that's another series that he really, really likes. Okay. And then my other dream celebrity would be uh, Dominic Noble of Lost in Adaptation. Yes. Just because it is directly up his alley. Yeah. Um, I, my more realistic celebrity, but again, a bit swinging for the fences here, would be Lindsay Ellis. Oh my god, Yes. <laughs> I think it would be like one of, it would be more like her choice, but I would imagine like either something Disney or 
um, something Transformers. Yeah, how have Lindsay Ellis reboot Transformers? God, we would not be able to top that. <laughs> but I also think that the Bumblebee movie might have done that, but who knows what Hasbro's plans are? Bumblebee seems to have fixed the film franchise, so maybe yeah. Lindsay can give her a TV show, or maybe one of the. Actually, I hear the comics are really good too. Okay, cool. Um, well, in that same vein, like, gosh, now I just uh, call up Elisa, and she can do the. Dracula, Dracula with yeah. Jeff Goldblum, or, <laughs> or get Lupa to do a reboot of She Wolf of London. Uh, Nella's still on YouTube, and I could totally see her doing the adaptation of Hamilton. We're gonna lock Linkara in a room and force him to reboot Angel Armor. <laughs> no. We're gonna pull the. We're not leaving until you have a script. I wouldn't be that mean. I'd probably ask him about Lightbringer instead. Yeah. His his other self-published thing that went off a little bit better. Yeah. Uh. Um, <laughs> um, and then... Oh, and then Christina just says, congratulations! Aw, thanks, Christina! Thanks, Christina. Congratulations, we done it. Yay! All right. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, Tanner. My number six best episode of ours is number 31, Lindsay Clems a Hittite Line of Succession, Red River. Aw, thanks. Because, like you said, you were, like, kind of on top of your game with the history stuff. <laughs> I just appreciate, I feel like I appreciated you being there a lot more than you did, <laughs> I guess. Well, it was also, I didn't want to be selfish about this. And I could have honestly have turned it into a, a multi-parter. <laughs> <laughs> Just going into, like, where did these events as portrayed in the manga line up with actual history? Yeah. It actually lines up very well. Like, uh, it, even in that episode, like, most of the time it was you talking and me just sitting wrapped with attention, like, oh my god, this is so cool. <laughs> Lindsay, this is so fascinating. <laughs> like, I, honestly, that... that area both geographically and chronologically is probably my favorite history time just because there's so much going on and it's all so interesting oh yeah everything about bronze age eastern mediterranean is amazing go look stuff up um there's so many documentaries out there there's so many uh youtube stuff it you will be lost for a month <laughs> that's that's all I can say. Like, um, a good podcast series to listen to. It is long for five episodes. Bit of a warning. It's Dan Carlin's series uh, about the Persian Empire. It's cool. Yeah, it is amazing. The man has. Oh my god, he. I sit there wrapped listening to him tell you history and you feel like you're there. I'll definitely consider that. Uh, won't be for a bit though, because I'm almost at two weeks behind most of my podcasts. Okay, that's fair. Because I'm playing catch up on other stuff. Dan Carlin, you need to set time for him. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, bu I'll book a few days off work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was your number six episode for us? Spider-Verse. Nice. Well, it wasn't Spider-Verse though. Yeah. The episode was called uh, Tanner Simply Cannot Reboot Spider-Verse. It yeah. was our 15th episode. So specifically the Silk episode because 
it was one of those, you were teaching me about something. Like, I didn't know all that much about Silk and about her rather insane history. And um, I was also being a bad comic book fan and not having content. Hey, no, there, don't even, there's no such thing as a bad comic book fan unless you're a dick about it. Okay. You are a wonderful comic book fan. Okay. So And so from this we can determine that the series that the you and me should work on is some kind of Spider-Verse spin-off set in Bronze Age Mediterranean. Yes. <laughs> Hang on, let me call Dan Slot. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be a spider god out there. Oh, definitely. Probably more on the Sumerian side of things. Yeah, their gods were kind of weird. Actually, no, not necessarily, because you have... Uh, oh, Arachne, duh. Yeah, it, Arachne. She's not a god, but I'm actually, you know what? I, I wouldn't be shocked if there was a cult of Arachne somewhere in Greek. In Greece, yeah. There there had to be something beyond just explaining how do spiders happen. <laughs> yeah. You know, I found a version of the Arachne myth that is really interesting because, like, normally the one I saw was that, like, she thought she was hot shit at weaving, and so she challenged Athena. And some versions say that, uh, she lost. Actually, most versions say that she lost and yeah. she tried to hang herself and Athena took pity on her and turned her into a spider. That's okay. like the children's version. Yeah. What does it say about Greek mythology that the children's version involves someone hanging themselves? Yeah. Um, and then another more common one is that Arachne wins and so Athena takes her revenge by turning her into a spider. Yeah. It's like, oh, you like weaving so much, why don't you marry it? Um, <laughs> but I found a version that the the reason Athena turned her into a spider is because Arachne made this whole tapestry basically outlining every horrible thing the gods had ever did. Ooh, yeah, that's, uh, that's begging for trouble. Yeah, and it's like, th that's such a cool thing. And it's like, wouldn't a cool public domain artifact for like a Percy Jackson style series is that someone either has to go find or find a person who found the tapestry that Arachne made. Yeah. That sounds really neat. Uh, what was your number five episode? My number five is Revolutionary Girl Utena. That one was almost in my top ten. Oh, okay. Because that was also a really good one. And again, that was kind of like how you I was teaching you about Silk. You were teaching me all about the Utena stuff. And yeah. I was desperately trying to understand the context. <laughs> yeah, um, Utena is one of those series that you have to watch to get it. Along with some of the other outline stuff. like the Yeah. I also really appreciate the title we came up with that, which was Lindsay is looking for single female fencers to duel in her area. Yes. Is that still true? Yes. Okay, so everyone take note. <laughs> <laughs> I might actually have to join the Society for Creative Naturisms. They've got swords. You should take stage combat classes. Ooh, that sounds really fun. Yes. Might play Hamlet someday. <laughs> I'm actually in the right age bracket for him. You look like someone who could be called Hamlet. <laughs> you look like you look like you could be a 16th century Danish twink. <laughs> I look like I talked to the skull of a jester who used to make me laugh as a child. Yeah. I look like someone who saw who might have seen the ghost of my dad or that might be a demon and I'm also really indecisive. <laughs> Hang on, I'm go I'm gonna go on Varage Sale, see if I can find a human skull to give you for your birthday. 
I like the one theory that Hamlet and Othello are in the wrong place. They should have been switched. I, I like that. Yeah. I like I agree with that assessment as well. Uh, so that was... No, yeah, episode 35. I said the title. Yeah. My uh, fifth best episode was number eight, uh, which was the Ocean's 8 reboot. Oh, Tanner yeah. teaches Cream. Tanner inspires teens how to do crimes. Yes. Um... Similar vibe for the Red River one, just in terms of the history, because I felt like that was another one where we had a good team up, where yeah. I just provided a framework for, well, here's what I'd like to happen yeah, in a and, 70s or 80s movie, yeah, and you're like, it, okay, well, here's here's all the stuff that could actually happen. Like, okay, yeah. let's... <laughs> we were actually planning out a robbery. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> but yeah, like, you have way more knowledge about the actual Ocean's Eleven lore that I didn't realize there was. Well, because most of the the lore actually really came out just in Ocean's 8. Like, the first three were just uh, Danny Ocean and his friends having cool, fun crime times. And yeah. Ocean's 8 was like, no, there's actually, like, Ocean's dynasty of career criminals. <laughs> and, like, they didn't even go that deep into the lore. But it just, it hit something in my brain. It was like, oh, this is inspiring me. This is something I want to exist. This is something we could very easily build on. Yeah. And, like, it's easy to build on just, like, you know, hints and references, like the thing that they did in Bolivia. Exactly. <laughs> Plus also, I think calling a movie Oceans First is just inspired, like it's chef's baller. kiss. Good yeah. job, me. <laughs> All right, let's get back to some questions. I'm pretty sure we've got a few more. Oh, here's some more from Christina. <laughs> All right. Uh, what would a Pokemon team for Not If I Reboot You First be? So I guess if our podcast was a person. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to say one of the Porygons because internet. Yeah. Probably Porygon Z. Yeah. That's like the, the, if Porygon 2 is the sequel, Porygon Z is the reboot. Yes. <laughs> that kind of went wrong. <laughs> but we love it anyway. Yeah. Probably one of the Pika clones. Because yeah. those are always kind of reboots of... Of Pikachu, yeah. And I feel like it would probably actually be Mimikyu. Okay. Because that, that's like the first one that's like, it's actually been almost as popular as Pikachu. Yeah. So maybe Pachirisu. I have a soft spot for Pachirisu. Also, I glanced at its stats because I was considering using it for the Inevitable Diamond and Pearl remakes. And it's yeah. actually pretty good. Yeah. But probably one of the regional variants. Yeah. What what do you think? Which one do you think? I think because of how memeable it is and how a lot of these reboot ideas do start from memes. Um, Doug Tria. Oh, with the hair? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, in that case, you should probably also put on the Galarian wheezing. Yeah. What else? What kind of Pokemon have reboot vibes? Eevee. Yeah. Because it's all about the potential. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't, not a specific evolution, just the concept of Eevee. Yes. And, I don't know, you, you think of a sixth one. Maybe something classic, but the one that's kind of forgotten. Like, so apparently Clefable was in the running to becoming Pokemon's uh, mascot. Yes, Clefairy, I think. Yeah, Clefairy. So yeah, put Clefairy on there, that makes sense. I like that team. 
Yeah, that's a good, probably, I don't know how good it is competitively, but uh, it's fun to look at. Who cares about competitive? Yeah, exactly. They all have the same team anyway. <laughs> Heatran, Cresselia, Landris, a second Cresselia. <laughs> <laughs> we mean you no harm, but dear God, smell gone. Oh, no, I, I mean them all the harm. <laughs> <laughs> Christina's next question. What other kinds of podcasts could you see the two of you working on? Apart or together? Uh, probably together. Yeah. I feel like if we were able to s- settle on some kind of scripted concept, yeah. we'd probably work on that together. Because yeah. I think our other po- podcast ideas, we said that we'd like to branch out with other people. Yeah. Because you and Ryan are workshopping a history one. Yeah. And I would really like to make, I have so many podcast desires. I want to make a Glee podcast. I want to make a podcast where I look at movie soundtracks. Yeah. And I want someone who's a little bit more musically inclined because I'm an idiot. <laughs> My bar is so low. And then we've gone back and forth on a whole bunch of ideas for scripted shows. Um, yeah. I actually have an idea for one that I might tell you about after recording this. Okay. I don't want to say it here, though, yeah. in case it jinxes it or people start saying, oh, you should totally make it. And then we're just like, oh, God, we've got to make it now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I totally do a scripted series. So someday in the future, I'm just going to say probably a Halloween, we're going to talk about the Pacific Northwest Tales podcast. Okay, hang on. Let me message Jake. Because <laughs> we got, I got actually, D- J- Jake, I'm sorry, but you kind of had your, your day in the light and you're always talking about rabbits. I'm going to go message Matt, Hadley, Matt Hoadley. Because <laughs> I know he's also in this hell with us. Yeah. But, like, there's so much good potential horror, and I, I've been wanting to do something related to that because I know that, like, Monster of the Week really works with that, too. Yeah. Like, I, I'm talking about the power by the apocalypse. What the... What so the Rabbits is a Monster of the Week campaign. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> better. <laughs> Actual coherent plot. And no reference to the fact that the company who made the Berenstein Bears had no fucking quality control. That's why That's why you remember the misspellings. God, the worst thing about that... Okay, not specifically, but just the, the Mandela effect. So it's called that because people think that Nelson Mandela died, and he didn't. Not until 2013, was it? Right, but a lot of people thought he died way earlier than that. Yeah. That just means that they don't know how to Google stuff. Yeah. And here's the thing. Sometimes celebrity are misreported as having died. Exactly. My mother spent a good five-year period every few months (laughs) saying, oh my gosh, did you hear that Stephen King died? And I'd say, no, I didn't. That was misreported. Yeah. Because the thing about newspapers that not a lot of people apparently know, but newspapers will have... Uh, celebrity obits ready to go Hmm. and you can actually like pre-submit your own obituary because again you don't know when you're gonna die i knew about that one but i didn't realize although i guess it makes sense for the celebrity thing yeah because again death can happen at any time so it's better just to have something pre-made and then do a couple edits actually hang on going back to my stephen king thing yeah because he did almost die in the car accident in 1980 something and he was also on cocaine for a while. Yeah. I wonder how many close but, calls 
that so actually caused. yeah so the stephen king thing it might actually be because of a multiverse <laughs> thing going on <laughs> Because, of course, in The Dark Tower, where Stephen King is a character, and also the author, and the characters show up to tell Stephen King to get off his ass and finish writing The Dark Tower series so that they can finish The Dark Tower quest in The Dark Tower series that Stephen King had to finish writing in the real world, that he didn't get off his ass and finish writing until he almost died in the real world. But in the novels, he did almost die, but in some dimensions, he did die. Okay, for whatever reason, probably because of the whole cocaine situation he was in back in the 80s, I've got kickstart my heart running through my head, because I can just imagine he's near death a couple times, and somebody has, like, the adrenaline needle ready to go. Just plunge it into his body. <laughs> he's back. Um, his wife once, like, uh, staged an intervention with him by accusing him of getting high off the household cleaners, and he was very offended. He was extremely offended that she thought he got high off of that brand. <laughs> Not offended by the fact that you got accused of getting high off of cleaners. You got offended because it was a specific brand. <laughs> <laughs> T- Tabitha King has a history of staving Stephen from his own bullshit. <laughs> yes, because there's that, and also he did throw out the the uh, manuscript for I think it was Carrie. He oh. threw that in the garbage. Oh wow! Tabitha saw it in the garbage, pulled it out, read like the first half of it, basically slammed it on his desk and said, "Publish this, you fuck." <laughs> And now I can't look at my dad's prom photo without thinking about late 70s kids covered in pig's blood. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. But yeah, so thinking Stephen King died is the only viable (laughs) multiverse theory you're allowed to have. Anything else, no. You just have a bad memory or you don't know how to Google. Yeah. Where were we? Um, Oh. Uh, what reboots could you see yourselves actually making slash producing in real life? Um. That's another question from Christina, in case. I feel like we were on detention for a while. We may have lost the Um, thread there. Going off on the rabbit thing, I think anything that we could turn into an audio series. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, we, we did say TMTMTM when we did the little Homes on the Prairie thing. Yeah. Um, and then, as I mentioned in this very episode, I kind of want to shoot my shot and make a Small Soldiers 2 comic for IDW. Yeah. Um, there was also another episode when I talked about a Metabots reboot, where, yeah. like, I just turned it into a really chill slice-of-life thing. Yeah. And I don't... I feel like I want to do something with that, but not specifically Metabots. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I kind of envisioned this either, like, comic series or graphic novel or maybe even just a YA novel where it's, like, it's set after, a sh- like, a kid's shounen anime. Like, the main character and his friends, they were 12 years old and they went off to all these wild adventures and they ended up saving the world and all this stuff. And now they're older and they still have, like, their robot buddies or whatever, but they're just trying to chill. Yeah. And, like... Maybe you hear about this world-ending stuff in the background, but it never has any effect on them because they're—they're—it's not—it's not our mission anymore. It's someone else's. We're just trying to go to Denny's, feed my, gonna feed uh, poutine to my robot. <laughs> I could totally see myself doing, you know, a scripted podcast sort of thing 
Um, probably again the Pacific Northwest stuff, especially in black tapes because that's the one I've given the most thought to. As to how the fuck do we actually give this a proper ending? But um, going back to Dracula, that's another potential podcast one too. For sure. Oh yeah, because you could definitely do found footage podcast Dracula. <laughs> Well, you could do it in the whole, hey, we're investigative reporters looking into this weird mystery, and it turns into Dracula. Ah, 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 ah. Oh my god, just just started as like a tax law podcast, <laughs> or an inherit. it was like inheritance it, law or something. It's just a true crime podcast. No, but I mean, or, yes, for sure, that's what it would become, yeah. but also, because when Jonathan first went to Dracula's castle. Dracula was, was like, do whole... all my paperwork for me. <laughs> yeah, it was straight up real estate. <laughs> yeah, so it starts I, it's as a real estate. one of those, estate... like, advice podcasts. Like, oh yeah, I'm trying to adult, so how do I get a house? <laughs> so it starts as a real estate podcast with, like, the wacky customers and, like, Dracula doesn't show up until the third episode. Yeah. <laughs> and then it just slowly becomes more and more a thing until you realize, oh wait, this is a Dracula adaptation. <laughs> Yeah, and I know my history about Vlad the Impaler, so I can make some more references that people aren't going to get right away. Unless you're a nerd like me. Nice. Hey, I will give props to Dracula Untold for literally being Dracula Untold, telling the Dracula myth in a way that no one else has tried to do before. Yeah! Didn't stick the landing. Oh, God, no. But I I can applaud the attempt. Yeah. Um. Please don't make me... My thing about Dracula is that I don't want to have sympathy for him. I don't like broody, hurt Dracula. I prefer pure evil Dracula. Because, like... And also, he wasn't really based off of Vlad the Impaler in IRL. As far as anybody can tell, uh, Bram Stoker just saw the name in a book about Romania and is like, that's a cool name. Yep. <laughs> and it is a pretty badass name, like, Vlad, son of the dragon. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you can't... That's D&D gold. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for those last few questions, Christina. Um, where were we with our top ten episodes? Uh, uh, number four. My number four episode is episode 42, Lindsay Draws Down the Moon. Oh my god. I didn't even think of that one. I just... I like that. It's a fun, chill time, that episode. Yep. We had a lot of fun with it. Got to talk about myths and Florence and the Machine <laughs> and stop motion. We were able to bring in Jack of the Lantern, my folklore <laughs> boyfriend. <laughs> Your folklore boyfriend and my son, Beowulf. I'm trying to figure out like my favorite people and how I refer to them, and Beowulf is my son. All right, then. Who's your husband? Hmm... Still working on that one. Who's your daddy? <laughs> um, so, you know those RPG games that are all based around, like, the Warring States period in Japan with, like, Oda Nobunaga and uh, Hideyoshi and all, all those guys and they make them real pretty? Yeah. Oda Nobunaga, especially in the Pokemon version of it. <laughs> Good, I will note that down. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> and then as for my wife 
any incarnation of Anne Boleyn. She's my girl. All of Henry VIII's wives deserve better than Henry VIII, but my heart goes out to Anne. Fair. Yeah. Very fair. Uh, what's your number four episode? My number four is Metabots. Oh, cool. <laughs> Part of it is nostalgia because we got to talk about Metabots, and there's just something about that series that really captured the feeling of being a 10-year-old in the early 2000s. Episode 34, Tanner's Gucci Metabot Mods. Yeah. And just turning it into a really chill, you know, we've done Saving the World. Let's just... It's that 70s show. Hanging out, <laughs> down the street, the same old thing we did last week. We're all robots. We're, We're all, all robots. robots. Hello, Wisconsin! <laughs> 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 uh, so yeah, I like how n- the number four spots are just, hey, chill vibes. Yeah. <laughs> My number three spot is episode 40, Tanner Enters the Duck Dimension. (laughs) That was such a weird episode. Holy shit, we absolutely lost our minds. (laughs) Yeah. Because, like, the Mighty Ducks is the bizarre franchise. Because you have the real-life hockey team, the fictional live-action hockey team, and the fictional... Actual duck TV series. Yep, yep, yep. And we, I, I won't put the blame on you. It was me. It was all me. I, decisions were made and I made even more decisions on top of those. Yeah, Yeah, especially when you found the list of 100 duck names. Oh, the duck names. (laughs) You'd have 100 children just to name them all after ducks. Oh, God. They've gone mad. Mad with power. (laughs) Quack, 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 quack. (laughs) How about your number three? Um, this one has very little chill because we talked about Marvel. Like our just most recent one? Our most recent episode where we talked about Marvel. I've been looking forward to this discussion for a long time because I feel like it's a conversation that the Marvel fandom hasn't really had yet, but I know it's going to be a conversation soon and it needs to happen. Yeah. So part of that was for the importance, but also because like we've been having these ideas on like what to, how to help save Marvel from itself. Really? Yeah. I feel like I'm not going to put too much importance on this because we've only got, we don't have that wide of an audience yet, but this is stuff that needs to be said. And hopefully some people are going to hear this and go like, Hey, other comic book fans, this is some stuff that needs to happen. Definitely. All right. Now our last batch of questions. I'll do the one that your dad sent us half an hour ago. Okay. Donald Mitchell at Van Ryder fan. Make sure you follow him and then send him your weirdest memes. (laughs) You'll actually get a laugh. Why is the sky blue? (laughs) well dad well donald have you ever heard of riley scattering (laughs) it's when light hits oxygen molecules that's all i really know so it's actually a diffusion of the power crystal (laughs) that allows life to exist on 
Earth, which is actually a concave inside of a solid bubble, and the rest of the universe is stone. <laughs> it's blue because of the morphing grid. Yep. <laughs> Uh, he also asks, what is the velocity of a barn swallow flying at 10,000 feet? Your dad's a nerd. <laughs> he doesn't like to admit it, but he is a nerd. Uh, yeah, well, unfortunately, you did not specify African or European, so you're going to get thrown into the chasm. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Uh, now uh, we've got so our last few questions from... Janine at Janine Juliet, whose current screen name is John Nintendo Switch. Uh, thank you, Janine, for staying on brand. Do you ever get a sexy dream over someone you did not initially find attractive? Tanner, you go first. Have I talked about my Cloverfield monster dream yet? <laughs> now, I should immediately point out, I did not have a sexy dream about the Cloverfield monster. Okay. I was having a sexy dream about, it was back in high school, I was having a, a sexy dream about a classmate, I will not name him. Uh, he was good looking. Uh, and it was getting pretty intense, and then right when we were about to do something that would make the rating move from PG-13 to R, the Cloverfield monster attacked. And you're probably thinking, oh no, Tanner, that's dangerous. Well, good news. Cloverfield Monster was fought off by a series of Jedi. <laughs> and based from Mega Man, who was also a Jedi in this dream. What were you eating that night? I don't know. Like, that, that went from sexy dream to mushroom samba. <laughs> It was back in high school, so it was probably a full bowl of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> and let me guess, you also drank the milk with the cinnamon in it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Gotta. That is the law. Um, so, here's the thing. Most of my sexy dreams involve real people, so I will not mention them at all. Yeah. Um, you can just say yes and leave it at that. <sighs> Or just pass. I've been talking about Dracula a whole bunch, and is it the season? Is it the fact that I read some sexy Dracula fanfiction because I was looking for some... to see if there was any fanfiction for The Historian, the book by Elizabeth Kostova, and there is. Not a lot, but there is. Didn't you say not five minutes ago that you don't want a, a sympathetic sexy Dracula? I don't want a sympathetic Dracula who's broody and mopey, but I'm okay with sexy Dracula. Being evil and being hot isn't mutually exclusive. <laughs> and this fanfic was really good, and it kind of rubbed off on me. <laughs> uh, Janine's second question, what's the most expired food you've ever eaten? This is going to sound terrible, but it was peanut butter that was almost a year old and was still good. Oh, okay, but what kind of peanut butter? Because sometimes that shit has so many preservatives that... <laughs> it was the really preservative-heavy stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. like, I don't think the year would have made a difference in how bad it affected your system. Yeah, I, I think it's more just the fact that it had expired in 2017, and, and I was using it in 2018. The closest I've actually come was I ate some butter that had been left out too long. Oh. Because sometimes we just leave our butter out for a few days, because otherwise it gets super hard if you leave it in the fridge. Yeah. 
But like this butter had been left out for two weeks and no one had really made that connection. Mm. And it was so bad that like even non-expired butter, it cursed me. (laughs) And I like, even if it was totally fine, I could still taste it in my sense of memory. And I was like, nope, I can't, I can't (laughs) butter bad. (laughs) All right. Next one. If you were a cat, what name would you be cool having? Uh, so my cat Sona uh, for Cats 2019 is Scramble Fuss. It's the cat that just lies around all day until you look at it. And when it realizes that it's being looked at, it immediately tries to look busy and just like tears down the hallway. <laughs> well, in our upcoming D&D campaign, That's I am right. playing a tabaxi. And for those who don't know what a tabaxi is, a tabaxi is a cat person in the D&D world. Her name is Kite. She is a millennial disaster. What was her full name? So she goes by the name of Kite the Nightcrawler, but her full name is Violet Kite Stormywood. I love that. Hence why she goes by Kite the Nightcrawler. She's a necromancer. She solves crime. She defaulted on her student loans as being chased across the fantasy land <laughs> by a robot tax collector. Yep. <laughs> who I would like to think is voiced by Hugo Weaving. Yes. And her main weapon is an entrenching tool. Basically, nice. a combat shovel. I love how we already yeah. had answers prepared for that one. <laughs> yes. Question number four from Janine. Where did she leave her purple pen? Listen, Janine, in order to find your purple pen, we're going to have to steal the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, and then find um, the Holy Grail? Yep. That's where it is. It's actually, no, you know what it is? Like that temple where you had to put the sand on to switch out the idol? That's where the pen is. We had to put the pen on there to do the white balance to get the idol. Yeah, I thought it was over in that one temple where you had to, like, step on the right letters. And uh, the J in... Uh, Greek at the time wasn't I? Right, because they used Janine's pen to write the letters <laughs> on all the stones. Yes. <laughs> uh, don't worry, Indiana Jones will give you a good fifth movie. Well, we might have to do six because I think they're working on a fifth right now. Okay. Yeah. And controversial opinion, but I think that the fourth movie wasn't that bad. It was a fine movie. It just doesn't really fit with the rest of Indiana Jones. Yeah. They they should have invented a new pulp hero. Or that's that's when they should have done Indiana Jane. Yeah. Which I still fucking hate that that's what they call it. That's not how gender flipping works. You don't change the surname. You can still call her anyway. Indiana Jones. Yeah, it's a nickname. His real name is Henry Jones Jr. I have a Pokemon OC named Indiana. She's a lady. Last question from Janine. Could you win against a goose? No. No. They're hell beasts. Uh, the the geese on my normal my normal like running route when I just do a five k around the neighborhood I go past a pond but it's not right by the sidewalk it's like set a while back and obviously yeah. geese like pond but lately they've been yeah. slowly moving so that they're just sitting right by the sidewalk I tried oh. running by them by them once and Amelia just like unfurled its wings looked at me and went <laughs> and I had my yeah. headphones in and I could still hear it. Yeah, they had the power of Satan behind them. I, Don't fuck with them. I pulled a Yui and took a different route, and now I cross the street when I see them. Yeah. Oh, they are... They're in every park. They're getting ready to, to fucking fly. When the weather changes, thank God. They're somebody else's problem. I, uh, 
I am not going to take on a goose. They will beat my ass <laughs> with their wings. <laughs> and uh, also be careful about swans. Yeah. They're stronger. Swans are just buff geese. Buff pretty geese. They're twunks. Like, in the tier of birds, geese are like the rednecks. The redneck skinny, but they're like ropey. Ropey muscles. And where are we? (laughs) They're wiry. Whereas geese are fuck or swans are fucking twunks. They're ballet boys. They look pretty, but oh god, they can bench press like a person. Yeah, holy smokes! Thank you for those questions, Janine. Yes. Let's get on with our n- number two, our second place. Lindsay, what's your second place episode of ours? Sailor Moon. So is mine. Yeah. <laughs> Yes! It was one that I've I've wanted to do ever since I thought, hey, let's do reboots. That's episode 9, Sailor Moon Plays Fortnite. And it's just the perfect... For me, that idea was the perfect translation of what Sailor Moon was to me. We combined everyone's favorite elements of the show. Yeah. Like, the last thing I want to see is a dark, gritty reboot. Yeah, no, oh god. And anyone who tries to do a gritty reboot of Sailor Moon has never seen Sailor Moon. Yeah, Joss Whedon. (sighs) (sighs) I just went through the five... No, he wanted to. You said that name and I went through the five stages of grief. (laughs) Um, I feel like we should issue a correction, though. I feel at this point Sailor Moon is probably playing Minecraft instead. Yeah. (laughs) Megaverse. Oh, man! (laughs) Um, then what is your number one ranked episode? The Mummy. Same here! Because, <laughs> like, okay, the thing about those two episodes, we were both on point at the time. We both had our A-game, and there's nothing I love more than making jokes about Akhenaten. Yes! Uh, episode six, <laughs> Tanner Googles Akhenaten jokes. <laughs> I think that one, it was, that was just the perfect storm of us... Like, goofing about the issues with a thing, making something that could legitimately be good, setting yeah. ourselves up for future episodes, and going on some of our best tangents. Yes. <laughs> My crowning moment when I pulled out that Tetra line. <laughs> <laughs> and you thought I was going to drink all of that in one go, I think. My eyes were going to pop off, pop out of their sockets. <laughs> uh, that was one of the best Halloween nights out there. Yeah. All right. So let's calculate the, the final rankings. Um, so let's raise Red River up. Well, I'm, I'm aver- going to average it out. Okay. All right. So our top 17 episodes uh, between the two of us. Uh, in 17th place, we have episode 20, where we did Small Soldiers. Following that, we had episode 44, with Totally Spies. Following that was episode 2, with A Breakfast Club. And then episode 1, was Once Upon a Time. Uh, then after that was no- episode 33, with Star Wars. And then episode 31, with Red River. 
then episode 21 with Resident Evil featuring Jake Mason. And then number 10 is episode 43 with Kids Their Dog, where we did Scooby-Doo. Episode mm-hmm. not uh, episode 15 comes in ninth place, where we did Silk. Eighth place is Ocean's 8. Uh, and it's also episode 8. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the power. <laughs> number 8 is Ocean's 8 in 8th place. <laughs> uh, seventh place goes to episode 35 with Utana. Yeah. Sixth place goes to episode 42, The Buried Moon. Fifth place is episode 34, Metabots. Fourth place is episode 50, Marvel Comics. Third place is episode 40, The Mighty Ducks. Ninth place, or no, <laughs> second place is episode 9, Sailor Moon. <laughs> and number w- our number one favorite episode from almost a year ago is episode 6, where we rebooted The Mummy. And the Dark Universe by extension. Yay! Alright, so that brings our first anniversary Q&A to a close. Tanner, how are you feeling? I can't believe we managed to stick with this for so long. (laughs) I'm proud of myself for not having an anxiety attack and saying, I can't do this anymore! Yeah, I'm glad that we made it. Looks like we made it. (laughs) How are you feeling about a year's worth of podcasts? Pretty good. I'm looking forward to doing more stuff for the next year. Maybe we're going to get weird. Like we normally do. I, I'm talking weirder. I'm, I've got ideas weirder, for yeah. like just completely messing with our format even. Okay. I, I want to bring stuff to the table that makes you look at me and say, Tanner, what the fuck? I started questioning what I what I decided to do with my life during the Mighty Ducks episode. (laughs) Well, I think we all did, Lindsay. Yeah. I felt like I was in another dimension. That's... Where it was just ducks. It's the the dimension of nothing but ducks. It's right (laughs) next to the dimension of endless shrimp. Lindsay, where can our loyal viewers find you on the internet? I can be found at lindsayam476 on Twitter. That's Lindsay spelled with an A. And you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Reboot You First, and they're pronounced Nerif! We're also on Instagram at not if I reboot you first. It's all one word. The hashtag is N-I-I-R-Y-F and that's pronounced Nerf. You can also email us at not if I reboot you first at gmail.com or you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, or your own personal favorite episodes of the podcast. Or you could also ask to be a guest, but if you do, make sure you send us a hint instead of the entire idea because we like being surprised. If you'd like to support us more directly, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash notifyrebootyoufirst, where you can get a bevy of bonuses by supporting us financially, including a weekly shout-out for all our patrons, including Charlie. Thank you, Charlie! Thank you, Charlie. You're the best. You can also rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice, and if you can't find us on your podcatcher of choice, then contact me and I'll try and get us in there. Last but not least, our cover art, as always, is by Alex, a.k.a. Pachu, and her work can be found at www.ptchew.com 
And our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you'd like music of his own for your own. So Lindsay. <laughs> Tanner. Lindsay. Tanner. Lindsay. Tanner. Lindsay. Tanner. Lindsay. Tanner. What? I will find you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that the hint? Like, it's the only Once Upon a Time reference I can make off the top of my head. I mean, yeah, we already said we're doing Once Upon a Time next week. <laughs> it's a yeah. given. Yeah. And they keep screaming that at each other. <laughs> Next week, we may or may not be going to Neverland. I don't know. I don't know if we're keeping that part or not. It was a good arc. One of their last good arcs. And then Zelina comes and fucks it up. Next week, we're going to turn into monkeys. <laughs> we're going to turn this into Treasure Island. Muppet Treasure Island. Yes, <laughs> I have a Muppet thing written on my ideas list, just so you know. Actually, I have two. Awesome. Yeah, we'll be doing that next week, but not if we reboot you first. Bye. Bye. Does Denny's have poutine? I wouldn't be surprised. If they don't, it's a missed opportunity. Denny's, make some pancake poutine. I'll eat that. Oh, my heart just did a... a oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> my arteries hardened just that little bit more. <laughs> just from hearing it. Yeah. <laughs>